For our message today, we'll be led by Mr. Steve Andrews, and his title is The Gift of God is Eternal Life. In uh, my uh, traveling down the road, especially the one that we travel a lot from our house to here, uh, that's uh, Pine Street. And um, on Pine Street, there's a sign that's been there for a very long time. It, um, I think they must come and take care of it occasionally because it always never looks like it's weathered. Uh, they, so they must, must come up there and take care of it. And I don't know whether it has the whole thing or not, but it does have part of Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death. But I think that in the sign it says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so as I pass by that so many times, you kind of begin to ignore those signs. It's, a, it's part, of a, part of life. It's just sitting there. It's, all, it's on the road. You, you begin to where you don't notice it. But it's interesting that they are actually getting a gospel message out. And all it is is just Romans 6.23. But it's there, and it's for people to see. One of the things that we understand and we know, and it's, sometimes it's really difficult in our lives, is that death is all around us. We have not experienced, and I, you know, even though there's a, those that think they have come, in, come back from near death, maybe they have, and I don't know. I can't uh, speak for those that, that have had those near-death experiences. But we know that when you finally are dead, you're dead. <laughs> you look at a person in the casket and you know they're dead. Um, we're right now, we have a little dog and uh, it is uh, 15, almost 15 years old and it's, it's suffering. It's, it's, it's on its last few years of life and we, we know that it, we may even go home and it may already have passed. So death is, a, is around us for the animals that we, we like, the people that we love, all of that is around us. But in the Bible, Jesus came with a great deal of hope about the resurrection and eternal life. Eternal life. It's, a, it's something that we need to grasp a hold of and have in our, in our very minds and hearts, that that is the hope that we all have, of eternal life in the kingdom of God. In Matthew the 19th, of course I've already read Romans the 6th chapter, but in Matthew the 19th chapter, in beginning of verse 16, And behold, one came and said unto him, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? So this individual, and I've read it before, was very interested in what he needed to do to have eternal life. And of course Jesus says, Why call you me good? There's none good but one, that is God. But if you will enter into life, keep the commandments. That's interesting. Jesus, right up front, says if you're going to enter into eternal life on this earth as physical human beings, keep the commandments. And then he goes through a few, and he said, which Jesus? And he says, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said unto him, These things have I kept from my youth. What do I lack? What is it that I lack? 
Jesus said, if you will be perfect, go and sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you shall have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. So what was he doing? He had a great deal of covetousness for the money and the possessions that he had. And this was his sticking point in following Christ and the potential for being in the kingdom of God. But when the young man heard the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And then said Jesus unto his disciples, Verily, verily, I say unto you that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. And again I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. When his disciples heard this, they were exceedingly amazed, saying, Who then can be saved? And it's interesting, Jesus didn't leave them hanging. He said, <clears throat> Beheld them and said unto them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. That rich man could have had his riches taken away. God could have entered that man, taken care of that man, and, and brought him to it. We don't know. The, the story ends there, and that's all there is, and we, we don't know. We'll only know when we get into the kingdom and we have eternal life and we can ask those questions. In Luke, the 18th chapter, Luke 18, Jesus makes this beginning in verse 28. Peter said, Lo, we have left all and followed you. And he said unto them, Verily I say unto you, there is no man that has left a house, or parents, or brethren, or a wife, or children, for the kingdom of God's sake, who shall not receive manifold more in this present time and in the world to come, life everlasting. Jesus is promising that even though we might lose things here, if we're grasping the kingdom of God, if we're looking forward to the eternal life in the kingdom of God, if we're looking forward to being there with Christ and the Father in the kingdom, no matter what we lose in this society, what we give up in this world, it really doesn't matter because we will have gained eternal life. Sometimes it's hard to, to grasp that saying. Because we are finite, aren't we? We are what we are, which is um, very um, weak, especially if we get older, we understand that. We, um, our flesh gets old and our, our, uh, we get feeble, and there are things that happen to us as we get older, and we understand that we are very finite in our, uh, in our life. In John, the fifth chapter, John 5, Jesus says something very interesting about really searching the scriptures. He says in verse 39, search the scriptures for in them you think that you have eternal life and they are they which testify of me. So our life, our very being, um, being wrapped up in God's word also is something that encourages us because we have searched the scriptures and we've been encouraged through the faith that we gain from those scriptures, through the life that Jesus led, through the things that he has written for us to be encouraged by the apostles that wrote, that wrote, that, that wrote encouragement, which we'll get to here in a little bit. It is all a part of what 
is there for us to be encouraged about what God has before us. In um, uh, let's see, I missed one here. Let's go to John the sixth chapter, and uh, uh, it's, this is out of order, but I am. Uh, I had, don't know if you'll be able to pick it back up or not. John the sixth chapter, because Jesus says, well, I hope I got the right. Yeah, beginning in verse uh, forty, and this is the will of Him that sent me that everyone which sees the Son and believes on Him may have everlasting life, and I will raise Him up at the last day. Take confidence in that, brother. Take confidence in that. That's what Jesus said. He says also in verse 51, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. And so we have confidence in that living bread that walked on this earth and now sits at the right hand of the Father in heaven. In John the 10th chapter, in John the 10th chapter, and beginning in verse 27, it says, My sheep hear my voice. We are his sheep, and he is our shepherd. He says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life. Um, we, whenever we read about Jesus as the, as the chief shepherd and all of that, we, we go back to that psalm, don't we? Because there is comfort in Psalm 23. And understanding that no matter what our life might bring or what kind of situation might come about, that God is with us. Jesus is there. He's our chief shepherd. He'll protect us, take us through even the shadow of the valley of death. That means that right up to that point where we're faced with death, He's there. He's taking care of us. He's helping us to understand that there's a great reward waiting for us. He says, And, and I will give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. We can have confidence in Christ and the confidence that we have is that he has a hold of us and he will take us into the kingdom of God. It is a very wonderful and tremendous promise that he has given us. In, in John the 12th chapter verse 25, just one verse here, he says he that loves his life shall lose it and he that hates his life or loves it less his life in this world shall keep it unto a life eternal. There is a struggle there, isn't it, for this world that we live in. And yet we understand that we are striving for the kingdom of God. We are looking forward to that day when we can be eternal beings in that kingdom. And so consequently, the, the, all of the things that are in this life, Paul said they're just <laughs> like dumb, you know. They, they don't mean anything. The, Jesus says the flesh is... Um, it does not count because it's going to die. It is going to die. And there is uh, the only one that is sitting at the right hand of the Father is Jesus Christ. He's the only one that's been resurrected. He's the only one with his words that we can understand and we can believe and, and, and count on. He is the one sitting at the right hand of the Father and has given us the confidence to understand that we will be in his kingdom. In John the 17th chapter, 
first three verses of the prayer that he gave right there at the end of his life as he was encouraging his disciples. That's the reason why it's so wonderful to read these on the Passover. Because they're both, if you just think about, he's, he's about ready to be sacrificed, and yet he's so concerned for his, for his disciples, so concerned for humanity, really all of humanity, he was so concerned for them. These are the words spoke Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify your Son that your Son also may glorify you. As you have given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is life eternal, that they might know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Those three verses that he began that prayer on that night before he was betrayed and put on the stake that next day are so powerful, promising us eternal life we just believe in Him. And we do because of the words that are written in the book. In Romans, the fourth, in the Romans now, and um, as we look at what Paul, these last few verses are from, from Paul's writings in Romans, beginning in uh, Romans, the second chapter, Romans 2. Well, I can get there. <laughs> Beginning in verse 4. Or despises you the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance. I think sometimes um, we, we forget that particular verse as we walk in this life and maybe we're having trouble or we're sinning or we're doing things that we shouldn't be doing. We, f- we forget that God is there, that he is with us, that Christ hasn't left us, that the Father hasn't left us, that they're, that they're working with us. They're trying to move our hearts and our minds back to goodness, to righteousness. And if we despise that, if we turn our backs on God, we say, I don't want... You, you to do anything in my life anymore. I, I want to live my life just the way I want to live it. I don't want you in my life anymore. Then we despise what God is doing in our life. And it's a rich and wonderful thing. The goodness and forbearance and long-suffering. Sometimes you look at your own problems in your own life and you realize that God is really long-suffering because you have so much sin and problems not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance. So as he's working in your heart, in your mind, in your, your very being, you are, maybe I need to change. Maybe I need to repent of this. Maybe I need to overcome this. He says, but after the hardness and impenitent heart treasures you up unto you wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God who will render to every man according to his deeds. There's always a warning, isn't there? God always warns people as they get into certain situations. He's warning us that we we need not to have a, a hardened heart towards him, who will render to every man according to his deeds. 
To them who by patient continuance in well-doing. Continued patience in well-doing. Continued patience in well-doing. That means obeying and following God. Isn't it? Seek for glory and honor and immortality and eternal life. But unto them that are contentious, do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation, wrath, tribulation, and anguish upon every soul of man that doeth evil of the Jew first and also the Gentile. He also says in verse 10, But glory and honor and peace to every man that worketh good to the Jew first and also the Gentile. For there is no respect of persons with God. He's willing to work with anyone. He's willing to work with anyone whose heart is willing to open up to God's mercy and his, his loving kindness and his forbearance and his goodness. He's willing to work with anyone in that particular area. Paul in 1 Timothy, in 1 Timothy, the uh, uh, sixth chapter, beginning in verse 12, he says, Fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life. It's interesting. <laughs> How do you lay hold on something that is not tangible, it's eternal, it's, it's spiritual? How do you. How do you grab a hold of something that, that, that you can't, you know, you can't grab a hold of? You can't, I've got this lamp, I've got a hold of it. But that is a spiritual concept, brethren. Lay hold on to eternal life. It has to be spiritually discerned. It has to be spiritually understood. It has to be spiritually deep with inside of our own hearts and minds. I can grab this, but how do I grab that? I do it by allowing God to direct me in his word and his, his truth. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto you are also called and have professed a good profession before many witnesses. All of us who have been baptized come to that time when we are repentant and we are ready for baptism. And we always like to have a few people around, don't we? To witness that, that we are ready, that we are repentant, that we're ready for the Spirit of God to dwell in us, that we're ready to follow Jesus Christ, that we're ready for eternal life. And maybe that's the, the day that we really grab a hold of eternal life. That day that we're immersed and we are baptized and give up our life as Christ gave up His, gave up that old life, and we come up out of that watery grave and we're ready to live a new life. And that life is in Christ. And Jesus Christ and God the Father to dwell in us. And the promise of eternal life is there. It is strongly and deeply there. A promise from them. In Titus, the first chapter. Titus 1. Beginning in 1. I, like, I, I love Paul's introductions. They're always so, so interesting, so fascinating. Paul, a servant... And, and that, that word really is like bondservant of God and an apostle. One sent by Jesus Christ according to the faith of God's elect. And 
the acknowledging of the truth, which is after godliness, in hope of eternal life. So as Paul was preaching, as he was reaching out, he was also looking forward to that day. He says, I have won that race. I have done what I've needed to do, and I am looking forward to that day when I will receive that crown. He says, then in hope of eternal life, which God, that cannot lie, promised before the world began. Whenever God set in motion that he was going to have his children into the kingdom, there was also that promise of eternal life. Because he wanted them not just to grow up and you know, live in this world and die, and all of them be in the grave, and, and, and there be no one, no individual personality that would be in the kingdom of God. You see, that's the reason why he's given each of us individual personalities. That's why we are so unique. Everyone has that unique personality that when you see it in your own children, when you see it in individuals, you realize, hey, God might like to have those individual personalities in the kingdom that are obedient and loving, but maybe also have a ability to um, talk to God, to uh, discuss things, to create, be creative, to look into the future, to be a part of his family as we are a part of his family. It's just, it's just an interesting thought that, that just came to me that all of our, all of our um, uh, unique abilities, a unique thinking, unique um, ways are something that God probably wants in his kingdom. He says, uh, but, <clears throat> but has in due times manifested his word through preaching which is committed unto me according to the commandment of God our Savior. And so he was, these words were, were written for our encouragement. He, he had, they were written, they were put down in, in this, uh, this book for our encouragement. But as Paul was preaching them, as Paul was bringing them out, he says, they are manif the, through the preaching, it has in due times manifested his word through preaching, which is committed unto me according to the commandment of God our, our Savior, to Titus, my own son, after the com common faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. Uh, and that was only an introduction. But look how, <laughs> look how amazing that introduction was. And how much information Paul could get in just a few verses. And how much depth there is. And then, of course, he goes on to qualifications of an elder and different things. But in that first verse was so much. In Titus, the third chapter, beginning in verse 4. But after that kindness and love of God, our Savior, toward man appear, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing and the regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. It's, you know, it is something that comes in and goes out. It's, it's something that needs to be used. The Holy Spirit needs to be a part of us and, and needs to be used. Which he shed upon us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior. That being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Heirs according, 
according to the hope of eternal life. Sitting out there is a, is a great inheritance. Sitting out there for each and every one of us is this great, wonderful inheritance. And that inheritance is called eternal life. How do you put a price on something that says, we're going to live forever and ever and ever? I mean, how many zeros can you put in, in, in a, put a one out there and start putting zeros and just keep on going and going? A, a pi is a never-ending number, right? They keep on going and going and going and going. So it's an infinite, uh, you could calculate it infinitely. Well, that's our life. After, after we come up into the kingdom and we're part of that, God, Jesus Christ, and his children will live and do forever and ever what they have planned. We'll have an infinite life together according to the hope of eternal life. That's what we look forward to, eternal life. Now, in, John, in uh, 1 John, 1 John, It's in here somewhere. There we go. <laughs> First John 1. Again, John makes this, this beautiful intro, introductory. In that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. John was a, uh, right there. He was a disciple of Jesus. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you the eternal life, which was with the Father, and was manifested unto us, that which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you, that you also may, be, may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write... Um, these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. This joy and this happiness in Christ and the eternal life that we will have with them is, is, is part of, of what we should have in our heart and our mind. And, and be, it, should be, it should be out there. He bore witness unto you that eternal life is possible through Jesus Christ and God the Father. In John, in First John, the third chapter, and beginning in verse fifteen. Let's see where I'm at here. John three, verse fifteen. And and there's always things that brings us back to reality, isn't there? The Bible is a really wonderful book, both Proverbs and Psalms, and and all of the Bible always brings us back to reality because we are physical human beings. We do have the proclivity in, in our own life to have certain um, uh, things that are uh, difficult. So he says, whosoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. He says, and I, I don't think that I had this verse down, but I'm going to go ahead and write it. Hereby we perceive 
the love of God because he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our life for the brethren. Whosoever has these, uh, who, and whosoever has this world's good and sees his brother have need shuts his bowels and com uh, of compassion unto, from him. How dwells the love of God in him? And so he's talking about us also having compassion for the world and for one another and for all those things. My little children, let us love not, let us love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth, he says. Now let's go on to uh, verse, um, uh, chapter 5. Um, he says in this, in this uh, chapter 5 here, and this is the record, uh, verse 11, and this is the record that God has given unto us, life, and this life is in his Son. Eternal, oh, and this is the record that God has given unto us, eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that has the Son has life, and he that has not the Son has not life. So we see that God has set aside eternal life for us, but we must come to God the Father and Jesus Christ to receive those things. I know this is a short message, so I, 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 I had these uh, thoughts and I was putting them down. And, but I, I wanted to remind you again of that little sign, of that little sign out there. Because it, it's so important to, to, to remember what it says. For the wages, that, that which you receive for sinning, which is eternal death. I mean, you're going to die. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God. God is so merciful, so loving, so kind, that He is willing to give eternal life. He, the Holy Spirit is a part of Him. And when we receive that gift, we're receiving a part of God. Aren't we? We're receiving a part of God. And He is giving of Himself. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord.